Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, and today we have a couple of big pieces of news to touch on. Uh, we are recording on a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday at 5 p.m. So if anything breaks after about 6 p.m. Eastern time, we definitely will not be covering on this podcast. Uh, let's hope that it's not uh, nothing too serious comes out, um, but we will see. Uh, the big piece of news, well, there's a couple here, but there's definitely uh, the biggest one I, I would say is Vancouver, who has been in the news a bunch for how just uh, big of a whirlwind this se- season has been for them. Um, but uh, th- this week, past weekend, they made headlines again. So they were going to scratch Brock Besser on Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And obviously, Brock Besser's dad had passed away from cancer just, I believe it was last year. Um, so, you know, that was not great. And then suddenly there's an injury last second. So he does end up playing. He scores the tying goal for him too, which was a cool moment, but this has led into something bigger where the reports out now that uh, their GM has basically told Brock Besser's agent, you go find a trade. Cause I can't find anything that makes sense for us. And um, there was a rumor out yesterday that the return would be less than Oliver Bjorkstrand who went for a third and a fourth this summer in a very obvious cap situation for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Seattle Kraken. This is shocking to me. I won't lie. Brock, so Brock Besser, 25 years old, three years left, six point or two and a half years left, $6.66 million cap hit, give or take. I think it's a little under that. Um, I just, I'm, and there's so many ways to go with this. I, I guess I'm shocked his value is that low right now, is the first point. <laughs> I am and I'm not, to be honest. Like, how many other, how many times have we seen a former first round pick who has scored at a 25 plus goal pace six different times in his career? People be like, no, we don't want anything to do with that guy. At 25. Yeah. Like, not wanting anything to do with him is a little weird. It would scare me, though, that like his underlying numbers have never been good and like one of the best coaches in the league doesn't seem to want to play him okay like, like i'm not saying pretty there should indictment. be actual like he, and his his expected goals numbers are horrible this year like he is a, like below three standard deviations negative and expect, expected goals against per 60 um so far now it's early in the year but it's not like he's falling from this high spot or anything it's been you know average at best for the past couple of years um, but still, like, I just, I don't know, like, to me, I mean, this year he's been really bad at play driving, but yeah, as you said, like, if you look at any, just about any three-year stretch of his play driving, his RAPM numbers are basically his goal four per 60 are positive, and then his everything else kind of balances out to about even. So he doesn't yeah. really drive play, but he scores at a 25-goal pace, and he hasn't really been healthy enough to actually hit the 30 goal mark that, you know, it looks like he should be capable of doing. And even this year, he's got four goals and 12 assists, 16 points in 20 games. I'm just absolutely shocked that for a 25 year old who's only under contract, it's not like this dude's under contract for seven more years. There's just absolutely no one willing to take him. It seems like the fact that no, like team that's not in a great spot, but not in a bad spot, isn't willing to like try is crazy to me like i don't think if you're like the i don't know like the the very very contending teams maybe not wanting to tolerate the risk i get but like i don't know if you're nashville why not 
I was going to say, I'm going to put the name. So $6.66 million. One of the problems is there's only four teams that can actually take that under their cap without moving any money out right now. Um, and that's Chicago, Anaheim, Buffalo, Arizona. In my opinion, all four of those teams should be all over this guy. Especially Buffalo, because Buffalo's actually decent on like, it, the rest. Exactly. Of them. And if you're wondering why, so A, they obviously have the money to uh, do it and without having to make a significant move of any kind. But for Anaheim and Arizona and Chicago, we're all clearly rebuilding and tanking this year. I know it kind of seems weird to be giving up assets when you're tanking, but best case scenario, you get the guy that looks like he was a 30 goal score, 60, 65 point guy. And you either now have that when you're getting out of a rebuild or, you know, some team this summer, if Brock Besser scores on like a 40 goal clip when he gets to Anaheim or whatever, you could flip that for a first round pick at the trade at the draft this year. Oh, easily. So best case scenario, you get the guy that it looks like he should be. You figure him out, quote unquote, or you just get like a, a, a guy who's the 60th best winger in the league, but can shoot the puck like no one else, right? Which is still a valuable asset to trade. Worst case scenario, he is as bad as or worse than he looks at five on five this year. And he's this guy who produces some offense, but it's just kind of like empty calories or whatever. And you have him on the contract for two more years at six million, and he can just shelter young guys who probably shouldn't be playing in your top lines anyways. Yeah, which is fine enough, especially when you think about like that team like Arizona just has such a stupid amount of draft picks. They're not going to be able to get all those guys into the league at, at the same time anyways, even exactly. if they hit on all of them, which obviously they won't. Yeah, exactly. Like Arizona has four thirds next year and two thirds in this year's draft. They already have two or three seconds next year and four seconds for 2025. Use a third round pick in 2024 and go get this guy. Yeah, it's definitely worth the risk. I, I will say I think it's marginally less crazy that there's not a ton of interest on him than Twitter seems to. I don't know. Like, it's just, I get, you know, and the, probably the lack of interest there. And, it, and who knows, like maybe Arizona doesn't want to spend the money or whatever while they're rebuilding, which fair enough. I get like, there's just team, literally there are currently two, four, six, about 12 teams that are over the cap. More than that, actually. Um now, most of those people are using LTIR, but still, that's what I mean. Like, projected cap space, people just have nothing. Yeah. So, I understand the market not being there, but even just, like, I don't know. I, to, to me, this is a guy that I think teams should be at least considering, again, as you said, like, Toronto, um, Colorado, Tampa, they don't need to look at a guy like this. Boston, you know, throw throw Boston in there too. Yeah. Although Vegas. Be a, he'd be an interesting guy on Boston, but yeah, Vegas. But to me, like a team like Nashville, um, maybe not the Rangers because the Rangers feel like they want to build long-term still. Um, Minnesota has some space. Yep, Minnesota's another good one. Any team that's like, even Edmonton, like you kind of got to do everything you can to go on. I don't think Edmonton has the space, but like any one of these teams that are like, all in right now, and it doesn't really matter. Washington's another one. You know, we don't think Washington's that good, but what the hell does it matter if Brock Besser's under contract for two more years for Washington? The Islanders, I think, are a perfect fit. Yeah. You know, like one of these teams where it's like you don't really have anything to lose by acquiring this guy. You know, and, and again, I mean, that's easier for us to say because I'm sure if you're the Islanders front office or a fan of the Islanders, you're looking at now, it's like, why would we take the risk? We're in second 
we don't want to take bad cap on for next year. You know, I look at that saying you already have 18 plus million dollars in horrible cap money, but you know, I, so I, I get, it's not that simple, but to me, it's just like, I, I was shocked to hear that it was going to be less than a third and a fourth. That is wild to me, especially because this is a guy who is being talked among the likes of like a Debrinket last summer. Now I think it was, everyone knew that Debrinket was a better player, but like Debrinket went for a ninth, the ninth overall pick or seventh or ninth. Can't even remember. I think it was the ninth overall pick. Um, and then, and another pick as well. And like, that was considered an absolute steal on uh, Ottawa's part. Like, but that, that was the, the contract talks that Besser was in and it's now fallen to like a third and a fourth. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane how quickly he fell from like one of the main up and coming potential stars in the league to like yeah, the nobody really wants cap him at dump. all. Yeah, cap dump at best. They yeah. might not even be able to cap them. Literally, uh seventh and thirty ninth is what the uh, Debrinket went for. Uh and then a third in twenty twenty four. And like that was considered an underpayment from Ottawa at the time. So but like that, that's kind of thing that like Besser was rumored to go for like a first, like a mid or late round first or whatever. And yeah, now it's like they might not even be able to find a place to cap on. If I'm a rebuild, like the four teams I named there should be all over this. I cannot trust that enough. Yes. Yeah, it's worth a shot at least. Detroit as well. Yep. Yep. They're another good team. Space work. Um, you know, like I'm sure some people will probably argue with Detroit that, you know, they got to like Larkin's up this summer, right? I believe. Um, and so is, uh, oh, what's his name? Hurt right now. Uh, Bertuzzi is going to need a new contract this summer as well. Uh, Nadelkovich is up this summer. So maybe you could argue with Detroit where they, you know, they, they have, um, they will have cap space, but you know, they are going to have to make some internal improvements as well, or payments as well. Um, you know, but again, like it's just to me, Brock Besser is a guy where, yeah, I, I think he was probably. Like his shooting, t- his shooting talent probably overrated him for a little bit, but I feel like it's getting him underrated now simply because he's not scoring the goals this year. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And uh, it's funny because Zanai's shooting percentage is actually really freaking high this year. But um, somebody like him, the problem with living and dying by your shooting the way he does is you're going to get really susceptible to swings because if you're not a good play driver to fall back on, if your PDO crashes, you're screwed. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're going to have these years where, yeah, you score 14 goals and everyone goes, what on earth is wrong with you? And But like his assists, and that's what, you know, his, I'm a shooting percentage is still high because he's got 12 assists. Yeah. Which is already on pace to, like, that's happened when he him. had in 71 games last year, you know? Yeah. He's so, on pace to set his assist record. Now, again, not sustainable because the shooting percentage or whatever, but it is kind of funny. Yeah, and then but his actual shooting percentage, he's down at uh, 9% this year. His career average is 13. You know, and, and I just kind of, it's one of those cases where, so he's taken 43 shots this year. If he scores on 13% of those, that is, you know, five and a half, six goals instead of four. I don't think the pressure is off of him at that point, but I wonder if it's a little less hot. Yeah, it looks a little different. I'm just... Like, is it a chemistry thing? I don't know. I've never actually heard a good argument as to why this just, like, random cliff has hit. Yeah, I don't know either. And it's not like, like, my first thought was kind of shot volume. 
Like he's only taken 43 shots in 20 games this year, which is 2.15 shots a game. But last year he only shot the puck 195 times in 71 games. So it's not, which is 2.74. So obviously it's about a half shot more a game, but like it's not that drastic of a difference. Yeah, because he's never been a volume guy, thus the play driving problems. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's really strange, especially because like, I mean, he's clearly been a good player for the Canucks. It's not like a team acquired a new player and they couldn't find a way to make it work. And also like, if there's one coach in the league that you would think could be able to get the most out of a guy like this, it would be Bruce Boudreaux, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, and now we'll go back on the other way. And I'm not going to let the Canucks off the hook here, hook here either. This is another case of a guy who they could have traded, but they decided to just, for whatever reason, be in the mucky middle. And I'm more okay with this signing in terms of Besser was a 24-year-old when they signed him. And, like, sure, that's a piece where even if you take a step back for a couple of years, he's maybe 26, 27, you see him as part of your long-term future. Whatever, that's fine. But they literally just signed this contract this summer, and they're already like, shit, we got to get out of this. There's just no plan here. Yeah, deciding on a long-term contract and then, like, to put it in reverse, they're 250 minutes into this contract. Yeah. And you probably and should be committing three... 20 million. And if uh, two or 300 minutes can change your mind. Exactly. And it's only three years, which is even more confusing to me because it just walks them right to UFA. So it's like, what was the upside of this, anyways? Yeah, this entire situation is really weird. I guess it's a good thing they didn't fully commit, but I'm not sure. That well, like that's now like the rumor is that they want to try and cap them Besser so they can re-sign Bo Horvat. What are we fucking doing here? Like you're, just, Horv- you're literally regretting the JT Miller signing. It hasn't even kicked in. You're zero minutes into that contract. Horvat just seems to have like this guy's about to sign an anchor of a contract just written all over him. Right? He feels destined for seven by seven. He's not going to get the eight Miller sign for or whatever, but he's going to get seven by seven. And then two years into that contract, we're going to be looking at Miller making eight, Horvat making seven, um, McKayev making 4.75, Garland making five and being like, oh, I don't know why this team sucks. Yeah. And it's like none of those guys are bad players, but it's it just like everyone was like, you don't need to resign 30-year-old JT Miller to an 8 by 8 because your team stinks. Yeah, the JT Miller thing was always tough. I, like, I'm pretty sure we said at the time. There are teams in which that JT Miller contract could make sense, but the sad part was the Canucks were never really one of them. No. And so, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things where I feel like people still blame Jim Benning for a lot of the issues, but since you know Patrick Alvin and uh, Jim Rutherford is the president of Hockey Ops, I believe, since those two came in, they've done a lot of similar moves. Like yeah. they signed Mikheyev. Yeah, the Mikheyev deal was aggressive. They signed Besser mediocre. and are now really seeming to walk off of him. They, it sounds like they want to sign Horvat. What are they doing? And then since they came in, they were like, oh, we need to upgrade the defense, but we can't do it because we don't have any money. It's like, well, then stop spending your Mm-hmm. Got their money. Yeah, there is a reason they're out of money. That is absolutely true. So, and like I get it, they they inherited the OEL contract. That sucks. They inherited the Tyler Myers contract. That sucks. But like, they haven't done anything to help themselves. No, no, absolutely not. They've 
they're gonna need like Lecky or Mackey or one of these these draft picks they've made, which to be fair, I think they've drafted pretty well to just absolutely freaking explode to get them out of this. Yeah, because like, it's gonna have to be cheap too, right? Like they're not gonna be able to do the Bjork strand. No, they, dump savior kind of thing. Well, and that's the thing is like to get out of this, they almost just need to wait two or three years to get some of these contracts off the board. Yeah, yeah, it might be, it might just take time. Yeah, but and the problem with that is that um, ownership doesn't really seem to want to do that. No, so that's always been that been a rumored problem in Vancouver, at least. But it's like, I, this is just a team that screams destined for 15th to 22nd every year to me. Yeah, it sucks too because Pedersen's back this year. Like Pedersen's yeah, exactly. been amazing. Plus, like, Kuzmenko's you, been fantastic. And yeah, it doesn't sound like they're going to keep Kuzmenko or be able to. Well, they probably can't like, afford it, yeah. Well, where's that money coming from? You're not going to be able to pay for him. No, you almost certainly can't afford it. And it might not even be the worst to move off. Guy, you get a great year out of him. You could probably get, given how much, um, who's the guy Tampa Bay traded for last year at the deadline? Nick Paul. No, not Nick Paul. He was really cheap. They gave up like two. Oh, Ross Colton. Was it Ross Colton? Am I thinking of the wrong team? From Chicago, right? No, Brendan Hagel. Yeah. Oh, Brendan Hagel. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, like I'm thinking of it. Brandon yeah. Hagel's trade was value was huge because he was cheap. And you got two runs out of him, which you won't get with Kuzmenko or whatever. But Kuzmenko's on a rookie deal, and he might be a point-per-game player at the deadline in a league where everyone's broke. You'd probably get the bag for him. Yeah, you, they should be trading him. But, like, I get, okay. yeah, like, I, I'm more – and, like, honestly, if I was them, I'd be trading him. I'd be trading Bo Horvat. I'd be trying to move Besser or just wait till the summer and then move Besser. I'd be trying to see if anyone wants JT Miller before the contract kicks in. But yes, I don't, they just seem against doing that. But and, and I just don't get why because it's like okay, you keep. Well, let's say it feels destined they're going to lose because they don't have the cap space for them. But like you keep Horvat by trading Besser. What does that do for your team in terms of the long term vision of this team? You know, like even if a guy comes in and is really really good in four, three years. If you've still got like Horvat and Miller and all them locked down, I don't know what that does. It probably just makes you the 14th best team in the league and down to get swept in the first round. Yeah, because they they basically they would have needed Horvat and Hesser to both be playing well this year, as we've seen. Like Demko playing badly wasn't really foreseeable and it makes things look worse than it is. But like the fact that they've got Elias Pettersson playing like a superstar again, and they're still this far out of the playoffs, like that hurt. And they, they got a point per game guy on a league min contract or a rookie deal and all that. And they're still just, if your team is built to the point where you need heart level goaltending to just sniff playoffs, your team probably isn't very good. Yeah, and it's and it all comes back to the decor of like the problem is exactly what we all we all thought it was going to be, right? Yeah. So, and I don't know. Again, it just everything about this franchise. Can, yeah, everything about this franchise confused the hell out of me. But they just keep seeming to do stuff, and like the fans are rightfully pissed. Oh, I don't blame them. And like I just, it doesn't seem like ownership wants to rebuild. But people keep going. Well, you have a franchise goalie, a franchise defenseman, and a franchise forward. It's like. 
A, I'm not really sure Quinn Hughes is a franchise defenseman at this point. He's good, but he's been pretty quietly lapped, I would say, by a couple other young guys his age, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Maybe not even quietly, to be honest. And like, yeah, Pedersen, even Pedersen, Pedersen's been amazing this year. Has he been a top five center? I don't know. Probably not. But not, yeah, exactly. Like, which is fine. Like, but that's my bigger point is like, yeah, you have a guy who can be the fifth best goalie at any point, but also as showing that, that sometimes he might be the 28th best starter in the league. You have a guy who, in Pedersen, who has shown flashes of being a top 10 player, but never really put it all together. And this year he is, and he's still, you know, like I wouldn't take him over McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon. Larner. Yeah. Larner, yeah, like uh, Jason Kaprizov, Robertson. Right, so it's like Kucherov still playing like a sicko. Yeah. I don't think anyone's talked about it. Like, and this isn't a shot at Pedersen or anything like that, but it's just like, okay, so if you now have a one good defenseman who I would classify as good, not even that, like I'm not even convinced Quinn Hughes is like great. You know what I mean? You have yeah. a great forward for sure, like Pedersen's in great and almost like bordering elite status, but not of the high elite. And then you have a goalie who is usually really, really good, you know, borderline elite, but also it's a goalie, so you can't really tell. Well, now you suddenly don't have a building block at every piece. You have maybe one building block in net. You have close to a franchise building block at forward and nothing on defense. Yeah, what are you doing that, with this team? And I wonder if that, I don't know, I, I don't watch enough Canucks games to have a uh, strong opinion on this, but like, at some point, you're going to need puck-moving defensemen for a guy like Brock Besser, who's a shooter only, basically, to get those shots, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just this whole... And same I, with JT like, Miller. They... Like, JT Miller is not a defensive player, so you're going to need somebody really talented to get him the puck up the ice repetitively yeah. to get the most out of him. Exactly. So, uh, I, just, I don't really know what this team does. You know, they seem just destined to truck along, but, you know... I, Okay, like, good for you, I guess. I, I don't really know what to say. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crappy situation, especially because, like, there isn't – it reminds me of talking about Edmonton, like, three years ago, where there's just kind of not an obvious way out of it. It may just take time. Yeah. And absolutely. Edmonton got saved by McDavid being Connor freaking McDavid, which is not a repeatable process, and Dreisaitl being almost as good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dreisaitl being like as good for you know the um, the contract, anyways, where he makes what is it, eight and a half or something stupid like that. Yeah, eight five. Yeah, so that's you know, but like, where's that coming from? The Canucks? I I doubt it's there. Yeah, it's it's not coming from anyone. Like that Dreisaitl is such a freakish outlier that even the smartest teams in the like if you're the smartest team in the league you can't ever bet on replicating something that absurd no exactly um, like it's so, just such a freakish contract yeah yeah 100 um i just yeah i i don't i don't know what this team does no it's kind of shitty because I, I, I feel like it's more fun when the canucks are good no, even when everybody they're, they're hated them, I thought they were a good, they were a good like enemy when they the Sedins were like rolling and they were really, really good. Everybody hated Kessler and all that stuff. Hell yeah, 100 percent 
you know, the hockey's better when, you know, their market is good. So, um, yeah, it's, and like, again, like their fans are smart enough. Like the, the, the fans want to rebuild. It's not, this is not the fan base that is like, no, we can't rebuild when we wouldn't live through that. It's like pure ownership. Like half of the public hockey analytics community at one point was Canucks fans. They have a very intelligent fan base too, is the ironic part. Exactly. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't really know where they uh, where they go with from here, but I think it's fair to say that you know they're going to be competing for a, a lottery. But even then, like they're just they're not bad enough to be competing for a wild uh, lottery spot. They're going to just be stuck in like twenty first overall in the league. Yeah, I think, well, because I have enough talent. There's pretty much no way in my mind, barring like massive injuries, that they are a lottery team. Like a they're, real they're lottery team. 11, 12, and 3 right now, which puts them 5 points out of the Sharks, fit 10 points out of the Ducks. That feels about right. Stretch that out to 82 games, and if you told me they go 39, 40, and whatever the rest of the overtime losses are on that math, 4 or whatever, like... That feels about right. 74 points or so. Yep. Yeah. And they'll be better than the Blackhawks and Coyotes as well. They'll be better than the Blue Jackets and Flyers, probably. Like, there you go. Probably better than the Canadians, too. You are out of lottery contention. Yep. You got the ninth overall pick. It's like, great. And this is a good draft. But it's like, again, the ninth overall pick doesn't help this team very much right now in any way. So, like, like um, imagine what uh, Fantelli or someone like that does for this. Though, they there's, there's like, okay, well, at least now, like, yeah, you, I know, again, any team you put Bedard on, and it's like, but there's yeah. your, that, that's the thing. It's like, they that's need, why I said Fantelli, at least. Yeah. Like, they need to win one of these lotteries because it's like, well, where's your dry cycle or McDavid coming from? It's like, this is the only goddamn way. Yeah, pretty much. And like, they did as well as you real, like, that Elias Pedersen pick is one of, it doesn't look as flashy because he's still a top five pick, quote unquote, but like the expected value by a top five pick, like is dramatically reduced relative to the top. So like Elias Pedersen is like one of the better draft picks of like a 10 year period. And yet you're still not able to capitalize on it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's go to another team, I guess, quick uh, that uh, you, we mentioned them already. They're going to be tanking and that's Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, some unfortunate news came out this week. It sounds like Jacob Voracek will be done uh, playing hockey this year for sure. Uh, he said it's very unlikely he comes back, maybe ever. It's concussion symptoms, and it's not. It doesn't like it's not actual concussion from what it sounds like. It's just symptoms of the concussion, where like he's more focused on just living a healthy life right now, which is absolutely fair. Um, but it just kind of sucks, you know. Like Voracek, he's only thirty three, and he's played that really hard, tough style of hockey. Um, but yeah, like it's one of those things where like the reports of it make me think he might not play hockey again. He's only got a year left on his contract after this one. So I, it's, it's just scary. You don't like to see it, it but you know, it's part of me. I mean, obviously you don't like to see it at all, but part of me is glad that people are at least somewhat starting to realize like, Hey, this isn't worth it. I need to take time off until I feel right. A hundred percent. And it's, that's a very good step for the game that people are prioritizing their long term as opposed to trying to play yeah exactly but as, it's just especially another... like columbus already looks like they're in shut people down well and that's the thing this is just another hit on this columbus team that's like they're gonna get in the leafs territory back in 2016 where someone's got a, a bruise on their toe they're gonna be sitting out for a couple of weeks but you know i was kind of high on this offense coming in and wow it has taken it's now Kudrow, Line, Nyquist, Roslevic, 
Boone Jenner, Sean Corrali, uh, and then you have uh, Kent Johnson, Cole Stillinger, Liam Foodie, um, Igor Shinikov, is that his name, I believe? Um, they have a bunch of young guys that they're going to be getting a look at this year because uh, they don't really have anyone else to play. Yeah, they're just like running out of – they're so hurt. Yeah, like they, it's been crazy. And like long-term, again, you don't want to see anyone get hurt by any means. But like long-term in terms of this is probably the best thing for them in terms of the lose. best odds. They're going to get yeah, good odds of the pick. And Especially- Go ahead. Are you guaranteed a top two pick if you come to that last yes, year? Yes, they changed the lottery because they, again, don't get me on this rant again. But yeah, they, they complained after making their own lottery rules to get to fourth that that was, an, that was too unfair. So now, yes, if you finish dead last, you were in third. You get the third overall pick at worst. This team could very realistically be running it back. Yeah, then with Bedard or Fantilli or Mitch Cobb. Like this team draft or has drafted recently pretty darn well, and they probably going to be picking like top three in one of the most stacked drafts we've seen in like a decade. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty good spot to be in long-term anyways. It's going to suck for the rest of the year, but I think that's okay. Yep. And what I'm really curious to, to see who, where Mitchkov goes, if he goes two or, I mean, Bedard's going fine, but if Mitchkov goes two or two or three and what team actually takes him because Columbus to me feels like a team that now that they've signed Goudreau will want to turn around a little quicker I could see absolutely some team being okay being at three if Mitchkov falls to them because it doesn't sound like Mitchkov is going to come overseas for a couple of years yet. Um, he's got two or three years on our contract. Yeah, so it might be oh, he sure. might be like twenty before he comes over. Um, but for a team like Chicago or Arizona that doesn't want to be good for like Chicago, who's theoretically, I mean, obviously they're not actually, but they are finally admitting the rebuild. So this is kind of year one of admitting it, right? Whether it's yeah. year one of, it's not year one of being bad, but it's year one of actually starting the rebuild. Yeah, and it's pretty new Mitch regime Kopp, and stuff. Yeah, getting Mitch Kopp for them might not be a bad thing because you don't have to play him next year and you can still suck again. And then you can have a couple top three picks coming in at the same time. Yeah, whereas a team like Columbus kind of started their clock when the second they signed Goudreau. Exactly. Um, the good thing for that, like Ken Johnson's looked pretty good this year. Uh, Cole Sillinger has died. I mean, I haven't watched them, but Cole Sillinger has five points in 23 games. That doesn't seem ideal. Uh, Kent Johnson's got six goals, seven assists for 13 and 20. Um, that's, you know, better for a, a 19 or a 20 year old. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on as the year goes on. But, uh, yeah, like this team is just, um, they're, they're not very good. No, they're, seems like they know who they are at this point. They seem pretty honest with themselves. Yeah, which is, you know, that's better at least than lying to yourself about, you know, how good or bad you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like this team is, the Buffalo Sabres have been, they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. Buffalo's down. They started, what, with a seven-game winter or something, six or something like that, and they're down to 11-13-1. Buffalo is favored on this team by enough. Yeah, and it makes sense looking at the two rosters at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Buffalo... Here is minus one thirty-five on DraftKings. Uh, Columbus is one fifteen. However, you can get Columbus all the way up to one thirty-two on CoolBet. Do you know where I found that, Chase? Give it to me. Where'd you find that? It's our partners with BetStamp. Uh, Sponsoring this podcast is BetStamp. You've heard us talk about them for a couple of weeks now. But did you know the best way to make money when you are sports gambling is to have multiple different sports books open? Um, you know, to to compare lines. Uh, BetStamp helps you do that very easily and quickly. 
Um, so, for example, I just pulled up this Buffalo Sabres-Columbus game that is happening on Wednesday. So probably when you are hearing this, this tonight. Uh, and you can go and check the lines across 10, 15 sportsbooks that are in your region that you can uh, sign up for. Um, and, and easily compare who has the best odds for whether it's the money line, uh, puck line. If you want to bet over, under, uh, they, right now the over, the best odds are minus 110 for 6.5 uh, goals. So that's something you can take a look at. Uh, with that stamp, you can also take a look at the marketplace and see what uh, other popular people are betting. Um, it shows their return on investment and, and how they've been doing with their picks. And you can easily track your picks to track how you've been doing um, as a whole. So uh, if you sign up for bet stamp, please use the referral code MNM Hockey. Uh, and thank you very much. And um, yeah, thank you to bet stamp for sponsoring this podcast. All right, let's keep going. Um, let's go with some trends here. Dude, the Devils just keep rolling, man. It doesn't, you know, they the Leafs snap their streak, but they're 24 and one. They're eight, one and one in their last 10. It does not seem to matter what happens here. The Devils are legit. Yeah, it's... they're grossly good. I like still am having trouble believing it, even though I know it's true. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it's just, you wonder how long it's going to go. And I'm still a little worried about their goaltending in terms of playoffs, but like, they're just so, it's clear that they're a legitimate roster. Yeah. I mean, they're like eight points up on the next year's team in the division, which is the Hurricanes, a good team. Yeah, exactly. Like the Hurricanes are on a W4 and are still eight points. It's same with like the Leafs are 7 0 and 3. They haven't lost in regulation in 10 games and they're still five points back of Boston and they play two more games. Because Boston just, they're 8 1 1 in the last 10. Like Boston doesn't uh, stop uh, winning either. Leafs aren't allowed to win their division. <laughs> um, and then on the other side, you know, the Stars, they're 5 1 and 4. Four overtime losses in the last 10 games, but let's keep them alive. They're 14 6 and 5, leading the division with 33 points. Uh, the Avs only have 27 points in 23 games. They're 13 9 and 1. They've really been dealing with injuries. I'm not too worried about the Avalanche. I think they'll. Uh, snap off a couple wins and be okay. But it's going to be actually interesting to see if they can make the six-point gap up for the division. I think they will be able to, but it's not a guarantee like I think we probably thought it would be heading into the year. Have you seen their top six right now? Uh, no, I saw they signed Alex Galchenyuk and then waved him. But, so I figured things must be getting a little dire. Yeah, if, I didn't know they waved him. The image on Twitter I saw had Galchenyuk in it, but it was like, McKinnon Rantanen, and then it was like Martin Kelt, Alex Galchenyuk, New Hook, and someone else. Like, huh, maybe they're not guaranteed to come back, even how hurt they are. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think I just saw that. Uh, um, was it McKinnon's going to miss some time now too? Let me let me try and verify that. Uh, yeah, that oh, right here. Good. We know he's going to miss some time. Colorado Avalanche prepare for a Nathan McKinnon injury absence. I believe I saw it was upwards of a month. That's going to get. They're really testing the waters here, right? Like. Like that's, that's Arturi Lekkinen's your second best forward territory. Yeah, so like they Evan haven't, um, Daily Faceoff hasn't even updated their lines yet. But assuming McKinnon is out and you move the centers up one, their top line, right, even with McKinnon, this is their line combos right now. Cogliano, McKinnon, Logan O'Connor. Charles Houdon, Alex Newhook, Miko Rantanen, Brad Hunt, JT Confer, Martin Kout, Alex Galchenyuk, Jason Megna, Anton Blythe. That's a lot of players who I'm not sure are NHL players. Never mind. Good <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then there's no star power base. Like, obviously, Rantanen's good, but I don't think Rantanen's carry a team by himself good if McKinnon goes down or when McKinnon uh, goes out, I guess we should say. Yeah. So I now Lekkonen's not in this lineup. I think he's healthy again, though, if I'm not mistaken. He's healthy. He's not on like injured reserve or anything. Cap friendly has him as day to day. Right. And that's Evan Rodriguez's day to day, I believe, as well. Um, yeah, it's just like they're just they are very beaten up right now. Yeah, that's brutal. Like Landeskog's not coming back this entire regular season, right? Uh, it's a while if it's yeah, because he had what was it a knee surgery? I forget what exactly it was because like Nishushkin's hurt too. Bram barely played if at all this year, like they can't catch a break. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, December 1st, Gabriel Lenskog back on the ice. Lenskog knee took to the ice Wednesday for the first time during the 2022-23 season. Um, but it was 10 minutes doing light stick handling. So he's expected back in January. Okay. Getting him back would be nice. Yeah, that's good. But that's still over a month away. A month without Nachushkin, McKinnon, Manson, Bram. And Landis Cog would be brutal. McKinnon, upper body, won't be back in the short term, according to Coach Jared Bednar, though the team doesn't know how long yet. That's brutal. McKinnon is just the latest member of the Avs to be sidelined with an injury, as the team is currently without Gabriel Landskog, knee, Lekkinen, upper body, Byron, lower body, just to name a few. Yeah, because, like, they're not a good roster like this. (laughs) No one can be. Yeah, no, you obviously can't be, but like you wouldn't even project that lineup to make the playoffs. Never mind no, gain no. ground in their division when they're already no, behind. Like, this would be like if you took, like, obviously it's not exactly the same, but like Matthews and Nylander, sure. and then Sandine. Yes, Sandine. I mean, and like granted, the Leafs have gone through their own. They've lost Brody, Riley, Muzzin as well, but like. It's not apples to apples, but yeah, like any team losing five or six, you look at the lineup and you go, oh my God, this sucks. They're screwed, yeah. Yeah, which yeah, is funny. No team's that deep. No, exactly. And that's where people look at the lease line. Like, you can look at the lease line now and it's like, oh my God, that, these guys, this is a, what the hell is this lineup? Not that good. But they, yeah, they just keep turning out wins, which again, credit to the coaching, credit to the depth. And that's what's really going to be tested in, in Colorado here. Cause yeah, they are just bruised to beyond belief. Yeah, I didn't realize how bad that was because I had I had seen their numbers are pretty mediocre this year. And then I was like, why is that? It's like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Take one glance at the roster. It's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, they're they're missing five of their top six forwards. Yeah, like, that'll be yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then in the Pacific as well, Vegas keeps on doing what they're doing. Uh the Seattle Kraken are in second. You saw Seattle live uh the other day. Um, as well as we didn't really mention, but you also obviously we mentioned last week you uh, presented at SeaHack. Uh, how'd that go? I think it went really well. It was a cool conference. Got to meet some cool people, and I don't think the presentation went poorly. So that was good. No, I can attest to that. I got to watch uh, most of it online, and I thought it was awesome. But uh, hey, you could see was it Kraken Panthers on Saturday? Kraken Panthers, yeah. How was that? It was good. I was sad there was no Barkov or or Lundell. Lundell was actually someday I was really excited to see live, which maybe the nerdiest thing I've ever said in my life. But uh, it was good. It felt like a close game until basically pucks just started going in for the Panthers. Like, it felt closer than it was. It ended like 5-1. 
Right. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I don't this, know what it ended. We left early, but <laughs> the Seattle team's 15, six and three, uh, seven, two and one, their last uh, 10, obviously that's one of the losses, um, but th- they're playing pretty well. And like, they're another team where, you know, I didn't really have them in the playoffs at the start of the year. I thought they'd be better than last year just because I thought it was impossible for the goaltending to be worse. Um, but the longer the Oilers and Flames keep sputtering around here, like the better chance they have of securing a spot. Yeah, I think them making the playoffs is very realistic. They've been like really because like Vegas has been unreal this year. There's 19 7 to 1. There'll be six points behind Vegas with three games in hand. Yeah, they're not too and like their underlying numbers are good too. I mean, Martin Jones has played way better than probably expect Martin Jones to, which but even he's oh, been never mind. He's actually he's like 908. Like he's never been, mind. Yeah, he hasn't been amazing. It's just this offense than I thought they really were. good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like they're speaking of the apps, like they're healthy, right? The the biggest mm-hmm. surprise of this is always just the healthiest teams, it feels like every year. And that that fits the cracking pretty well. But yeah, they're driving play really well. They're more likely than not to make the playoffs, I would think. Yeah, I would have to imagine that is true. Uh let me just look that up. I mean, money puck's not always. The, uh, Money they, Puck they, will love them. Money Puck had the one like when I was in Seattle. They have a ninety-seven percent chance to make the playoffs. My Money Puck's model, which feels excessive, but even if we say assume it's like eighty percent, that's really good. Yeah, that's really really strong. They have, they have, yeah, like it seems a little aggressive, even accounting for division to say they have an eleven percent better chance than the Leafs to make playoffs. Yeah, it seems aggressive. I mean, the way they have played this year though is fantastic, and yeah, maybe. The Kraken are slightly more anti-fragile to injuries because they just have, like, three second lines Mm -hmm. and, like, filled with a whole bunch of guys who are, like, good second liners. Like, they don't really have a superstar where it's, like, the abs are fine and even hurt and the McKinnon goes down. It's like, yeah, they're probably screwed. Like, they don't really have a one linchpin where he goes, no, you're screwed. Yeah, it's just a bunch of like pretty solid guys versus stars and scrubs. Yeah. Which obviously, yeah, has its um, advantages and disadvantages. But one of the advantages is, yeah, you lose two average guys. You have a couple guys. The drop-off isn't that big. You lose two stars and you're screwed, even if the stars can do more when they're healthy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just looking. Dom has them at 77% for playoffs. So like. Three, 80 was you, pretty good guess then. Yeah, if you told anyone by like early December the Seattle Kraken would have a three and four chance to make the playoffs, I, I think any Seattle fan would take that. Yeah, I don't given the way they were last year, obviously that was a little bit worse than it should have been because of their goaltending, but like I don't know how you could think of that as anything but an absolute win. Yep, I, I completely agree with you. So um they're a fun great. team I, too, so it's good to see. Yeah, exactly. I think that is probably uh it for news. Um, yeah, I think so. Want to do an overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite? All right, I'm in. Feel a bit from Puck Soup here, um, but let's do, I don't know, do you want to do a hockey-related one or a non-hockey-related one? i go non-hockey. All right, let's go fast food chains. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. For anyone who doesn't know how this works, Pretty easy. We both just list a fast food chain, or in this case, it'll be a fast food chain. We think it's overrated, one that's underrated, one that's our favorite, one that's our least favorite, and we can explain why. Overrated. I okay. Do you have one? 
I do. Okay, go go while I think of one. I don't know if these even like exist in the states. Um, I know they're pretty common in Canada. So maybe this is too niche. I think twice the deal pizza is wildly overrated. I dislike twice the deal. Oh, see, I most I of our friends loves it, and I, I like yeah. this is the most mediocre shit in the world. Well, it's just like it's super greasy, and like that's why I kind of like it though. Like I don't want the, when I'm ordering it, I know I don't want actual good pizza. That's fair. Like it does have its niche in that. I I think of it as a I would only want it if I'm feeding like a ton of people, and it's like I don't care what the twentieth person here eats. Just get the cheapest thing I can find. Yeah, that's fair. And like that because it is. I mean, for our friend group, it's a pretty classic drum food. Yeah, but. Yeah, I. That's fair enough. I I I enjoy it. It's not on my list anywhere. Um, but that being said, I I definitely see, especially in terms of pizza chains, how it could be overrated. But it still might be my one of my favorite at the same time, which is sounds a little weird, but after a while, I I don't know why. I just kind of hate it. All right, I'm gonna go overrated. Hmm. See, there's one I want to say, but I don't think it's actually overrated. So I'm going to save it for least favorite. Hmm. Overrated. I'll say A&W. That's a good one. Again, I'm not sure how popular these are in the States, but they got good food, but it's so overpriced that like... For the price, it's definitely not the burgers aren't that much better than like a Harvey's or whatever. Yeah, it's also the same price as if you eat like a Johnny Fresco style thing where like it's not fast food, but it's not sit down either. But like for equal price, you might as well take the one that isn't fast food. Yeah, or like you can go like five guys, and it's not that much more expensive than an AW team burger combo. And five guys, yeah. you get a bag full of fries and this greasy but yet like delicious burger, you know. If I remember correctly, a meal at AW is not far off, like an East Sides meal either. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I would say it's overrated. It's got good food, but like, I don't know. People say it's this high, the highest quality thing. I don't, I don't think it's that great. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. All right, underrated. I got, a, I got one here, I think. Okay. For the food specifically, because everyone loves the ice cream. Dairy Queen's food. Dairy Queen does have some good... Their chicken fingers are really good. They are, and they taste like real chicken. Like, they're not a McNugget where you're under no illusion that it's <laughs> real. Like, you can at least pretend the Dairy Queen chicken nugget is is real. I yeah, love Dairy Queen's food. It, I, I That's a good one. That's a, that's a really good one. Their burgers are hit or miss, but their fries are also really good. I like their fries. Their chicken right, fingers right. are unreal. I've only yeah, had that, chicken fingers, to be honest. That, that's a solid one. My underrated is Wendy's. I love Wendy's. I absolutely love Wendy's. It's not my favorite. I think it won't be a surprise to you what my favorite is, but Wendy's is very close to my favorite. It's number two, and it's, you know, consider how much I love my what my favorite will be, and we'll get to in a second. I, I think Wendy, it's just, it's so versatile. It's perfect. They got good chicken. Uh, they got great burger. Like, I would take a Wendy's burger any day before an A&W burger. They have amazing fries. And they have just a bunch of like small things too. Like they got ice cream, soft serve ice cream with the frosty. Um, they always just, you know, like lemonades out and stuff like that. Different kind of chicken sandwiches. Like give me, oh man, I, 
I've all long said it's a good thing we don't have a Wendy's in our town because I would be going there way, 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 way too often. If Wendy's, for those, I guess literally everyone listening won't know, Mets and I live relatively close to each other and there's a McDonald's like 100 meters from him and 400 meters from me. If that was a Wendy's instead of a Don's, I'm pretty confident I would be like five to 10 pounds heavier. Yeah, literally, it's like, and so a favorite, we'll get a favorite now, that McDonald's is my favorite fast food, but it's my favorite because I don't dislike anything on the menu, but Wendy's, I, I just, I don't, maybe it's because I don't eat it as much and that's what the allure is to me right now, but like, I don't know, I just get so excited for a Wendy's. I find Wendy's has really good specialty items too. Yeah. Like I tried their, um, oh, well, it's like this crispy bacon jalapeno chicken burger or something like that the other day. So good. And they have one in the States right now where he says like this Parmesan. It's like a chicken parm with a deep fried matzo patty on it. We don't have it in Canada, unfortunately, but it looks unreal. And I think that's why it's like, I just, I, I would go to Wendy's so often to try their new stuff. Oh, absolutely. Wendy's my favorite. Yeah. uh, Wendy's your favorite. Nice. And I think it's probably because of the thing where if you don't eat it as much, it never gets old in the way that McDonald's does. But I yeah. think it's my favorite. That's the thing. I could eat McDonald's every week and it really doesn't get old. I love everything on their menu. The chicken nuggets, even though I mean, you know called, you are not eating high school. Chicken. We did so, eat it every week. And still literally, exactly. we went twice a week at least during high school. Their junior yeah. chickens are so good. The Big Mac is solid. Their fries are top tier. Like, you know, I know sometimes people try to say they're overrated. I mean, fresh McDonald's fries, just they, they trump all. Dip them in some chicken they sauce. Like so good. So, no, so good. What? I've never had a Big Mac. That is crazy. It's not like... It, you don't need to... It, it's good. But also, I think a Big Mac is... Do you like pickles? I hate pickles. Okay, yeah, I don't think you'd love a Big Because to me, the Big Mac is the best when you get the Big Mac sauce mixed with a bite of pickle and the burger. But if you don't like pickle, it's just like eating two thin patties with... A decent sauce and a shitload of lettuce that's flying everywhere. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't even know what the t- sauce tastes like, to be honest. It's just like a mayo. It's like a mayo mustard or mayo relish kind of mix, I think, is the best way maybe to describe it. It's good. Okay. Like, I think you would like it probably, but it's not. It's like different from a McChicken sauce, but also kind of similar. Okay, I like the McChicken sauce. Yeah, and Junior Chicken's absolutely elite item menu. Top tier. Yeah, um, and then trying to think what else. Have you ever had a Quarter Pounder? Oh, yeah, that used to be my go-to as a, See, as a I, I went little a, kid. I went a long time without having a Quarter Pounder. I got like the Bacon Western Quarter Pounder or someone, something one time. It was really, really good. They do often have like special versions of the Quarter Pounder that are usually fun. Yeah, but yeah, that was solid. So yeah, McDonald's my favorite. And yeah, it probably helps if there's one right across the road. And I, you know, I, I've been good actually. I feel like I go in chains at a time. I'll go like two or three times in two weeks span, and then I won't go for like two months. So I'm on that stretch right now, which is better for my overall health. But man, just talking about it, I, I better not think about it now. Don's a class. I eat it like it's a good uh, summer, like when we're on road trips yeah. and stuff more often than it's like, oh, I've had Don's every week for three weeks in a row. And then during the winter, you can go two months without even thinking about it. Yeah. My other bad routine would be like when we would drink and then it's a summer day, get up at like 11, go get Don's, eat some grease and go play video games while I'm hungover on a Sunday. 
little hungover Dons. Yeah, that's undefeated. All right, least favorite. Least you, favorite? Yeah. Probably like Arby's or some shit like that. Burger King. Burger King, hands down. Burger King is the most mid-fast food thing. I don't even know if it's It's bad. I don't know yeah, why Burger people King like sucks. Burger King burgers. Their chicken, like their chicken nuggets, the only time I'd ever consider buying them is when they were 10 for $1.99. And even then, you buy them because of the price, not because they're good. They're tolerable dipped in plum sauce. But like, yeah. give me a Wendy's chicken nugget. Give me a Don's chicken nugget. Give me a Dairy Queen chicken finger way before a Burger King chicken nugget. Burger King's burgers suck. They throw nine different things against the wall every month to try and get new burgers. And I've tried like three of them and I just don't like them. Their fries are the most mid thing in the world. Like they're okay. They're not great. Wendy's is better. Again, Don's is better. I like Harvey's fries more. Um, Burger King is just, it's just disappointing. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I would have picked it as overrated if I knew anyone that actually like loved it. But that's like it's the one I was debating as overrated. But I was like, I hear one or two people be like, yeah, it's pretty good, I guess. And it's just like that's about it. Yeah, no, I I could go the rest of my life without eating it. I actually might. Yeah, like it's it's really one of those things where it's like if they have some wild exotic new item menu, I'll be like, all right, maybe I'll go try that. And it is dirt cheap. I guess is yeah. one of the only redeeming qualities, but like it's dirt. We snowboard in high school, but like two dollar ten piece chicken finger was like the only time I think I ever bought Burger King. Yeah, exactly. So, um, did you say Harvey's for what? For least favorite? For least favorite? No, Arby's. Arby's. Oh, honestly, okay. Arby's. This is. I think I've told you this take already. Arby's isn't that bad. I hate Arby's. The it thing just is, angers me. I don't like roast beef, so I don't touch the roast beef at Arby's, which I get kind of defeats a lot of the purpose of the restaurant. But the yeah, curly, like roast beef. the curly, curly fries are elite. But like, I walk into a fast food place and see roast beef, and it pisses me off. <laughs> like, it's just there. It's, it's I don't even have to where, get it, and it makes yeah. the experience worse. You you got to get past the eyesore of just knowing that they've known they're yeah. known for roast beef. That that's yeah. totally fair. But like their I chicken, it, like, their chicken is really solid. I'll I'll give you like I will swear my life on that that they're they got a the chicken cordon bleu, I believe, or oh. yeah. And so it's chicken Swiss ham, and it's like a crispy chicken patty, uh, and then some mayo, uh, and it's a sandwich. It's, it's delicious. Delicious. And then they have like a buffalo chicken slide or two. It's pretty good. Fair that it's the worst, but I will say, I will die. I'll go to my grave saying that Arby's is definitely not the most underrated, but it is underrated. Fair enough. Their their curly fries are are good enough to put one on the map at least. Their curly fries are the if you yeah you don't even have to touch the meat if you don't trust it that much. Go get their curly fries. Their curly fries are so good. Yeah, a curly fry poutine. I've never tried it. I saw someone get a curly fry poutine the other day though, or other week. Oh, it looked delicious. I just googled Arby's and that sounds fantastic. Or it looks fantastic. Yeah. So that that I will uh, defend. I thought you said Harvey's at first. I was like, oh man, I I love Harvey's. No, I love Harvey's too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that is uh, all the stuff. You know, it's great when we're going on a 10 minute fast food talk, but uh, hey, we're trying to mix in some non hockey stuff here too. Trying new things, of course. 
Um, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I wrote about the Brock Besser situation yesterday, so go check that out. Um, you can find all of Chase's work at theactionnetwork.com and, and all his stuff on Twitter as well when he posts to his Substack. Uh, his Twitter is cmhockey66. My Twitter is at NHL sends and stuff. So go follow us there and uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. It uh, would go a long way in terms of, you know, just, uh, um, you know, keeping us in your feed. Uh, we appreciate the listen as always. Um, I hope everyone has a great week and we will be back with you next week.